What's up, Slow Drip listeners? This is your host, Zach. And Matt. And we have an exciting announcement. CisternaCoffeeCo.com is officially up and running. We are live. And everything is in stock. Uh, We've got our mugs ready to ship. Right in time for Christmas. Today's date is December the 7th. Um, So everything is ready for you to go. Um, Bolivian coffee's in stock. Thai coffee's in stock. Everything's freshly roasted. Coffee mugs, decals. Uh, This has been a long time coming. The site is beautiful and uh, ready to go. So... Wherever you're joining us on the Slow Drip journey, whether it's episode one or the end of the season, take a minute and go check out our new website and store and uh, pick up some coffee just in time for the holidays. Welcome back to the Slow Drip podcast. Your weekly source of coffee nonsense, Christian culture, and a little dab of everything else under the sun. Uh, I'm Zach, one of your hosts. Your other host, Matt, is AWOL. Um, No, just kidding. He's on his way to Florida with his family. Uh, This is Mr. Steve Luce's 70th birthday weekend, uh, and the whole family is getting together to celebrate. We're honored to have him as a listener of the Slow Drip. Uh, so from us, Zach and Matt, less Matt, more Zach, Mr. Steve, happy birthday. On today's episode, you guys are going to get to hear from a good friend of ours, Thane Hutch Yuri, um, about 18, not quite 18 months ago, about 15 months ago. Um, On the first trip down to Bolivia, uh, Matt met up with Hutch and recorded this gem that you guys are about to hear. Uh, So, glad to have you. Uh, I'm not included in this episode, but it uh, is still a good episode nonetheless. I've already listened to it uh, a couple of times all the way through while I was editing. So, anyway, uh, glad to have you. You look great and glad that you're listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. If you haven't done that yet, then, I mean, you really ought to. Welcome back to a new episode of the Slow Drip Podcast. I'm Matt Luce, and with me today is Thane Yuri. Glad to be here. And we are kicking off a new season here with the Slow Drip, and Thane and I have spent the last uh, four or five days in Bolivia on uh, kind of a joint cisterna coffee company Beehive Global Collective Mission trip, and we just want to take a minute and share a little bit about what that experience has been like. Mm. It's been a real blessing, and one of the things I notice here, and you don't always get it around the world with Americans, but just there's a genuine appreciation, embrace, smile, welcome to Bolivia, mm. and uh, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and it's been it's been also a time to really be immersed into the Spanish language, one that neither you or I has been particularly um, skillful at up until now, um, but in a, in a situation of total immersion, it's been, been really good. Um, we were invited down to Bolivia by Jim Harriman, who is a missionary down here working with Universidad Evangelica Boliviana, the university 
uh, here in Santa Cruz, Bolivia, where we are, was the first evangelical Christian college in Bolivia, now one of four and probably boasting the top uh, academics and course uh, variety, I think, of, of any of the others that are in, in, in country. Several thousand students, mm -hmm. and one of the even well-known across South America, not just in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. And Jim works primarily with their ag department. He uh, is basically running the cattle ranch, which helps the university with sustainability as far as economic sustainability by selling off uh, cattle every year to kind of pad the bottom line. And, and, uh, and so I think he, he loves that. It's a perfect place for him. But what got our attention was that while he's been in country, he's not been idle, obviously, being a rancher and a cowboy. Uh, but he's also got a small coffee plot that he's, he's developed personally. And from that, he's sort of walked backwards into a new ministry late in life as he's leading more local Campesino farmers in the area around Santa Cruz, Bolivia, and learning how to cultivate coffee as, uh, well, frankly, a substitute from growing coca. Uh, the, this area of Bolivia is known, widely known, for its coca production and that is then shipped north into uh, Colombia where the cartels process it and then send it further north. And so for Jim this is a, a, a labor of love as he's learning coffee cultivation, he's learning um, a lot of new things, how to work with the land uh, in, in kind of carving out the jungle but leaving the shade trees and helping, uh, helping the coffee grow by planting other uh, other species of, of bushes, trees. Uh, we, we saw avocados on his farm with some citrus fruit, mm -hmm. uh, different types of local berries. That Papayas. Papaya. All of these things that uh, help the coffee cultivation by in encouraging and improving the um, you know, pollinators, bees to come in uh, so that the coffee is actually more, more robust in production as well. Uh, so that's what got our attention. Jim invited us to come down and to check that out, and um, and it has been a whirlwind, teachable, teachable moment for mm -hmm. us. As a matter of fact, as we were together uh, most of the day today, what ten hours, and to see his eyes light up because he is, like you said, backed into this ministry late in life. He's in his sixties, but getting his second wind mm -hmm. talking with you, uh, not just through coffee, through other things, through other initiatives. But as I was sitting there, and the word we just used just hit me that he's he's a driven person, but a humble giant, 6'5", mm. about 270, of a, a, a solid man. He's just in, he's, he's just driven, he loves Bolivia. They love him down here, grew up as an MK, of course. So he's mastered the language. He sounds just like a local, indistinguishable. But it struck me the qualities that you'd want as you partner with somebody. Mm. And I've known him for, probably 45 years, and have known you. Our families go back for 90 years, yeah. right? And when you have good connections, deep family connections, um, your, your spirit's at ease. But the five things that hit me today that he just resonates with, he's hungry. Mm -hmm. He's hungry for something beyond just the mundane. And that's a coffee initiative, which you've kind of brought to his table. He's already been trying to do it. But you said, Jim, here's how I think it can be done to advance your cause in a way you haven't even thought of. So for him not to really know the coffee world and 
to be introduced to a, a Michelangelo, a person who really has dug deep like you have over the years. It's just blown his, blown his world, blown his mind. So he's hungry, but he's also available. Jesus, what do you want next? He's nimble, he's available. Mm -hmm. The third thing is he's faithful, mm -hmm. incredibly faithful. He's come through a lot, a lot of brokenness when his wife Pam died 10 or 11 years ago. So very um, buckling for everybody in the family, but for him to find his traction again. And he's found it. And he's just the sweetest person to work with. And then the last thing, teachability. Mm -hmm. He's just so humble and teachable. Mm -hmm. And when you put on top of those qualities, hunger, availability, faithfulness, and teachability, a servant heart, then you're saying there's no wonder, no wonder why the Bolivians love him. Yeah. Love him. Everybody knows Jaimito. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Because he's just that way. Humble, humble, humble. A humble gringo, we might say. Yes. Uh, and and I, I, that was something that I remarked to myself just in the very first 24 hours that we were here. It's like, man, there's so much more uh, genuineness to this guy. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of guy that you want to work with. Whether it's coffee or ranching anything. or anything. You know, you spend 24 hours in his orbit and you start paying attention to uh, the, the, the way the people, the Bolivians around him, look up to and respect him. But like you said, the, the humble gringo. Mm -hmm. uh, he's approachable to them and... Um, and would do anything in the world for them, and and frankly, probably can do just about anything. You know, the the bevy of tools in the the back of his truck, and if you remember, we got up and went to his coffee plot that one day. And he said, Rule number one: when you go into the jungle, <laughs> don't leave home without your machete. And uh, and and to see what he's been able to do, really, kind of in his own spare time, but but digging. Uh, plumbing lines by hand so that there's irrigation in different parts of uh, the coffee plot uh, in, in a hard clay soil, uh, not where the coffee's grown. There's a rich uh, jungle loam where the coffee is grown, but uh, the rest of the area where he's got his processing tables where he's doing a natural process and drying the, the cherries out. We're, we happen to come right at harvest time, so uh, perfect time for us to be able to see kind of the end stages of, of this last year for him in, in coffee production and just to see the joy in his eyes of let me come over here let me show you this I mean we're mm -hmm. gonna put a lagoon in here and yeah we're gonna put real you know we're gonna put the cat, the native catfish and Paku in and that'll help fertilize the water and then from that we'll use a solar pump to, to go to a, a cistern and then we can drip irrigate the, the coffee plants down and what you can't see on the other side of this ridge I've, I've started planting cacao mm -hmm. um, you know this whole like just it, it's staggering you know to see to see all of that so you know, I don't think I could sing praises of, of, of our time with him and, and what he's you know, kind of undertaking and, and initiating more um, and it's way out of I mean there's at least four to five minutes away mm -hmm. from Santa Cruz in a place called San Jose in this very remote he's got an odd shaped farm what is it 900 meters by 100 meters, 100 meters. Yeah. so basically 900 9,000 hectares Nine, nine hectares, nine hectares, which is uh, I think that comes out to nine nine thousand square meters. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of the, right. the measurements, but to see that and him plot out visually, just point that's where I'd like the guest house to be. Mm -hmm. That's where I'd like students to come when they come to intern, or that's where it'd be to kind of invite the world to say, "Do you want to be a part of this? Not just for coffee, not just for enhancing missional giving, but to transform thinking, mm -hmm. right?" 
have to come to Bolivia not to change the way Bolivians think, but to let Bolivians change the way we think. Right. That's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I think the next thing that's kind of really impressed upon me within that, and we had some time the first day that we were here to spend with, uh, with Timoteo, the, the president of the, the university, took us out to lunch and uh, to, to see the respect that he has too for Jim and all of this. And, and just the one thing that I wanted to mention in that uh, right now, you're probably thinking several things of, of, of that interaction time, but you know, Jim got his coffee plantation, his coffee plot, his farm started three years ago. And on his own, you know, on, on, on the side time, uh, when he's not working at the ranch, when he's not teaching ag education at the university, um, he's just doing this kind of quietly on the side. And then all of a sudden, you know, these other other growers in the San Jose area start to notice, start asking questions, you know, what are you doing? Uh, they start getting interested. And then now, you know, as we're coming back, we he's pointing out, so that this, this plot of land here outside of San Jose, still outside of Santa Cruz, uh, that's, that's where the the chicken farm is and, and we use that as an education piece for our students but next time you come I'm going to take you up on the other side of the hill where we're clearing land so the university can plant coffee and so now you know maybe it's next year maybe it's two years down the road you know he's got this great ability to to see the horizon and kind of see the long game where others may not so maybe it's a year from now maybe it's two I don't know uh, but the, to, to know that the university is getting involved. They're getting. They're kind of backing it now because of what he's been able to do and the way he's been able to speak to the lives of the the locals in the San Jose area, and they're going to start teaching coffee cultivation as well in the university. So, um, we often say at Cisterna, you know, it's coffee with a mission, coffee with a story. This there's there's more stories than I think we have time for right now to unpack with with Jim Harriman and, and uh, Perla Negra is his little coffee plot. Uh, but that's, you know, that's, that's what we're, we're, we're looking for with Cisterna, definitely. But, uh, you know, it's just amazing to see that start to play out. Yeah, there's stories around every corner. You and I have been to Vietnam and Thailand and different places, and the Lord always has something incredibly special. Coffee is the, is the purpose, but there's always something there. Today, I don't know if you can have a share, just be, mm -hmm. wow. We'd heard about this lady, this coffee contest last year, right, and how right. these all these big, huge, uh, you know, professional tasters and, and, and roasters, kind of a big, big, huge deal. I mean, because in South America, coffee is a huge deal. And so, as we heard it from, I think it was Timoteo, and was talking about this this woman, 84 year old woman, that a little kind of a peasant villager. I don't mean that derogatorily. That's just what she mm -hmm. what she is, and uh, she won. So it's like. A little petite David slain mm. several Goliaths, probably 40 or 50 Goliaths. Right. Yeah. I thought, man, you know what? What a special person it would be to meet her. So, well, today, mm. as you know, by surprise, yep. we meet the mayor of Buena Vista. We're going around meeting all these officials. It's kind of fun. It's an exhausting day. And then we've got Francisco say, you know what? I want to take you 45 minutes this way. I want you to, to see some of our farmers. And we went up there and we were looking around and taking pictures and ooing and eyeing over what they're doing in their process. And who comes up to us but an old woman? Mm -hmm. And Francisco says, it's her. She's the one. There she was. Yeah. The one who slayed giants. Yes. And she's yeah. part of our co-op, part of our vision here. At least she's 
as we're talking with her. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Not to to uh, to um, what can you do for us, but what can we do for you? Right. This is stern a model, and so just the Lord saying, you know, we heard about it, and then there she was, and I was just almost smitten, a person I didn't know, but thinking about the quiet demeanor of her soul, this person who mm-hmm. <laughs> has, has slayed giants just because quietly, quietly doing things right, and 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 humbly much. approachable again too. I mean, I, I think that's just sort of a characteristic of of the Bolivian people: this warm, humble, welcoming. Uh, so we yeah, yeah, very hospitable. We, we we were there. We were looking at um, you know another small farmer's uh, coffee that's out drying uh, on a tarp. He's processing it, uh, and it's a mixed wash and natural process. Mm-hmm. And uh, she comes up, and the next thing you know, you realize you you keyed in on it first. Oh, this is yeah, this is our our, our David that we you know, we heard about. So I next thing I, I'm talking coffee. I'm talking with Francisco. Uh, Francisco Monami, one of our, our tour guides today, president of the Santa Cruz uh, Coffee Growers Association, working hand-in-hand with all of these Campesino farmers in the, this valley area where we were to encourage more organic farming. So I, I'm, I'm deep into te- talking geek speak with, with mm-hmm. uh, Francisco mm-hmm. Coffee. I look up and you're two houses over and playing with her puppy and looking at her coffee and I walk over and she's, yeah, come come on. Let me show you. You know, she has her little little plot that, that she's drying and, and, and processing hers, and then she's already bagged up uh, probably six or seven quintales, mm-hmm. which is about a, almost 50 kilos uh, in a bag, and, uh, you know, showing us and, you know, explaining in, in, in through hand, hand gestures and, and the like, uh, explaining uh, it hasn't been winnowed yet. You know, it, it, we still have to remove the chaff, but... Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, it's almost there. It's not quite done. Uh, and just excited to enjoy, invite us in to, to the whole thing. Uh, that was probably, uh, you, you mentioned exhausting. Today was an exhausting day. We're, we're in our last night here in Bolivia. We've got a couple more things to, to do tomorrow. Uh, the university. Everything had kind of been building up to today, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, to have the time with Francisco, who, who was so excited for, for our interest and try to figure out how to make this work, the cisterna model. It's uh, you know, this direct trade, going going to the source, uh, making that extra investment where we can and, and, and have um, the ability, because what we really want to do is we want to get to know the farmers, we want to build relationships with them, we want to help be a positive impact and ultimately point them back towards Jesus. Let me tell you how that's clear. The clearest example for me is a day or two ago meeting uh, Walter mm-hmm. at his house, going and seeing the coffee plants and all that. I had a good time with him, very short time, just short time. You probably wouldn't tell people, so I'm going to kind of hop in here and tell what happened. Is he called Jimmy that night, said, You guys are going to Buena Vista, correct? Sure. Can I come with you? He was, because of that short encounter with us and talking about our vision, your vision, he was one to say, I want to spend, what was it, 10 hours? I want to yeah, spend 10 and, hours. And cramped in a car, five people in, car, in a, in a, on a truck bumpy, cab. On yeah. a road that was like out of, straight out of an Indiana Jones thriller, a movie. And that said something to me. I didn't share this with you earlier, but wow, a brief encounter, hmm. not knowing how to say, you know what, these guys might have some residual humility in these not which gringos aren't known for. Mm-hmm. I'd like to spend an entire day with them to hear their vision. That was really a quite an astounding thing. Mm-hmm. 
and and what a, I mean, you know, I, I, every single time I spend more time with Walter too, my heart warms to him as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's getting dangerous how much we might have in common. He's a, he's a businessman. He owns a, a, a tile factory in Santa Cruz. Uh, got into coffee because of Jim, and, and Jim's uh, influence on his life, and uh, she's showing up every day with genuineness and, and witness. Uh, but he's going okay now, so he's he's planning coffee as well. Uh, but yeah, to all five of us in a cramped truck cab for ten hours, riding all over and, and to see it. But uh, I think we're going to be fast friends. We're already swapping fishing stories and and sending each other oh, fishing no. pictures oh, no. back and forth. So <laughs> and, you know, we when we said our we had to say our final goodbyes tonight. He, he slapped me on the knee and he said, "Next time you come back, we're going to go fishing." Uh, and then he, he sends me these pictures of these really six foot arapaima that they're catching down in these Amazonian you know tailwaters and everything and then, I think I can get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know I think one of the things just to touch on just today with all of the stuff that was going on, you mentioned we, we met with several different groups of municipal officials. Uh, Francisco show taking us to 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 meet these individuals to to help us, uh, you know make those first contacts but I think also I think it, it, it's it's a two-way street he's he's also showing that these guys hey we we have a a, a a bumper supply but we don't have any demand these guys are interested what can we do to, to help make that work but he's not seeing it for the monetary gain you know the longer that we spend time with Francisco too every single time and you know where I'm going with this every single time he starts talking about coffee and wanting to get, you know, being glad that we're interested, uh, that Cisterna wants to come and take a look at this. But but beyond that, you know, just why is this important? Well, it's for the people. I'm working so hard to, to help them understand that, you know, the e- ecological, the, the organic. Humanitarian. Uh, yeah, cert- certification. But every single time too, he said, uh, the uh, the ecological, the, the, the organic, as he, he says it. And I'm going to try to get the the Spanish right because the, the way that it was coming through it was you know we care about the environment uh, but I think the Spanish that he was using was uh, Medio Ambiente which is this like the middle ambience this that's that's the environment right this middle ambiente uh, and look with these coffee farmers we care more about the national park over here because it improves the humidity it brings in more rainfall so we want to protect those. They protect more than more than the government, right? Yeah, yeah. And we want to protect those lands because it helps us grow better mm-hmm. coffee. And what we're talking about in this region of Excartico is 400 small micro farms mm-hmm. over 320 hectares, right? So, so you do the math, and you, some of these are, are just micro producers, and. They also have citrus, and they also have all these other things, but they're starting to see two more and more. Again, okay, moving away from all these other things, maybe perhaps moving away from cocoa to coffee, to coffee. Now, how? And 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 Francisco was very honest with us. These guys don't quite get it yet, but I want to keep working with them. I want to keep working, with them. keep teaching them that it's not just the initial payout. You know, uh, how much can I get for? Uh, um, you know, per 50 kilo sack at a time. It's you know, how do I improve my yield? How do I improve my quality? Uh, moving more towards that kind of boutique specialty coffee. He's got the vision. 
mm-hmm. it's going to be exciting to kind of follow that rabbit trail in the next couple of Very years exciting. and see see where I hope goes. the microphones are picking up the church bell in the background. We are probably within 80 yards, our hotel window here, from a huge, massive church, reminding us of the roots that have been set in this country mm-hmm. from centuries back, want to build on those things. But what Francisco kind of reminded me, he said, we're trying to do something quite different from the, the, uh, the mechanically processed coffee, mm-hmm. the Starbucks type that just come in and get, you know, basically, not to sound too derogatory, but basically after money, basically after the quan. It's, that's not who we are. So we want to have an ecologically responsible process by which we, uh, you know, make our coffee, grow our coffee, and to be uh, have our hearts tuned to the humanitarian needs of this part of Bolivia, mm-hmm. some of the poorer mm-hmm. regions, which is what you're all about. Now I got it to your home for a second because you will not do it yourself, but I've had a chance to watch you over the last couple of years, and seeing you, this is kind of what I would call the cisterna model, the beehive model, the cisterna coffee, is your vision, which I think he caught today, Francisco and Walter and Jim, that your vision is, I don't want to ever have any purchase of coffee where I can't sit down and personally, legitimately, genuinely develop a relationship with the person I'm buying from. It's not just an issue of what can I get from you but to look someone back in the eye with genuineness and say, here's what I pray that we can do for you. And so you talk about 60 pounds, 70 pound fishes or whatever. I'm fully convinced this Walter has kind of wanted to spend more time with us that one day that we can make him a fisher. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. But we have to do it this way. Yeah. Lente, Lente, you step open the door step. here. Yep. And coffee seems to be one of the major inroads right. here to help America, to get their fixation, <laughs> including me, but to help Bolivians say, listen, here's a place where if you want to fight trafficking and things like that, the place you start is to have villages and villagers to have sustainability with a product that sells, to earn their living, and with that comes dignity, mm-hmm. and not having to send your kids away to the big city, to La Paz yeah. or yeah. whatever, yeah. and where the traffickers sometimes can pick them off. Right. So he got it, and I think that's where his spirit clicked with you, saying, wow, this guy is actually asking me questions, wanting to know about me, wanting to know about my family, Mm -hmm. my heritage, my legacy, rather than my product. Right, right. And I think that just sends powerful messages to the heart of that Bolivian, those two, and in the future to many more. Oh, well, thank you for for that, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I'll wrap it up with just you know, kind of one more motif. I think that's kind of been pinging back and forth between us in, in conversation. This we we've touched on it before in a previous uh, episode when we talk about shade trees, and, you know, even references again in a recent uh, Facebook post. But uh, even more than that. It keeps coming back over and over and over again. This idea of walking backwards into the future. In that episode, we talk about um, the uh, the concept of. And you're gonna you're gonna read the quote, so that's great. Um, but uh, no, in that episode, we talk about the the Hebrew understanding and orientation of, of how we walk back, walk backwards, being led by God into the future, looking into our past, uh, lest we forget of His providence. 
but I think there's kind of a, a, a double side to that too. And as we're preparing to come down on this trip, you know, I'm doing everything I can to prepare myself mentally for uh, being in a new culture and a new country and uh, to try to understand, seek to understand the people first and foremost. And so, I mean, I've got this 500-page tome of a, a book that, that kind of starts in prehistory. You understand the people go all the way back to, you know, the first peoples, the Inca, uh, the, the, the three major indigenous groups that are in our area in Santa Cruz are the Boyani and the Aymara and the Quechua. And uh, right at the beginning of the book was this, this great quote, which just sent alarm bells off in my head after we've talked about it for so much in Wilmore and in Indian Springs and Hanoi, Chiang um, Mai, uh, all, just all, constantly these things rolling around in our head. But this Aymara proverb says, we need to walk in the present with the past before our eyes and the future behind our back. Um, the only other thing I think that's beyond keeping, keeping our eyes on the past, lest we forget Mm-hmm. Uh, lest we forget God's providence, lest we forget what we've come through, lest we forget the lessons. Sometimes the painful, you talked about brokenness, sometimes the painful lessons, uh, you know, that's an expensive tuition, but so much more worth it in mm-hmm. some respects. If we can come out the other side, we can learn from it, we can see uh, see what there was to, to see and to learn from. To keep our eyes on that. There's also this idea of what does it look like walking into our future? We're not seeing it. We, you know, being willing to be blindsided by the unexpected. Mm-hmm. This idea, of expect the unexpected, but even more than that, being willing to to be blindsided by by that. And uh, I think that that's sort of a poignant uh, punctuation on our time here as we wrap up our last evening. Is how much of that uh, was so unexpected for us. Willingly, willingly walking into this scenario a little bit backwards, uh, so much more that we 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 found uh, a legacy awaiting that neither one of us were expecting. Uh, we'll have to unpack that later, I think. Uh, but just that idea, I and mean, we'll just kind of close it uh, tonight with that. Um, we've got a big day tomorrow; it's our final day. We leave on a 10.30 overnight flight tomorrow night, but before we, we fly out, uh, you're speaking at the university, I'm speaking at the university. Mm-hmm. We're probably speaking on the same thing, so uh, we'll have to get out their popcorn and, and just settle in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we you know, have a breakfast with Jim tomorrow, we're gonna get a little coffeeed up before we head over, so uh, that's gonna be fun. And then have some final time with uh, Timoteo, tour the campus see all the different buildings there uh, kind of talk through how do we how do we help you know, the UEB as well I think is kind of last on the docket so we'll wrap it up um, and just kind of resonating on that that idea of what does it really mean to be willing to be blindsided by walking backwards into the future remember the four things that characterize Jim at least in my mind hungry available faithful teachable I'll say genuine. We'll add five. Yeah. And you said it, the legacy. Mm-hmm. We talked about what do you, when we have this coffee, this great, incredible product that so many people love, but there's a legacy behind it. 
going back to your grandparents, mm -hmm. going back to Jim's parents, going back to so many others that have come in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, Ruth Stoll and others. In the 20s, yeah. So much. So in my mind, uh, I read recently, kind of chuckled at a, another coffee bag that uh, read the back and it said, magic's in this bag. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. But I look at your bags of coffee, Cisterna coffee, which I've held and drunk many, many, many cups. And the thing that pops in my mind is there's a legacy mm -hmm. in each bag. Legacy in the past, as we face the legacies of those way pavers in the past who stepped out in faith, man. Sometimes in blind faith, but it's not blind because it's based on God's sufficient actions in the past. And that means we can, since we can't see the future, we have to walk backwards into his future, which is the proverb you read to us. Right. But we're confident because this faithful God has been consistent through time. We've seen what he's done, the doors he's opened, and we can have that confidence and assurance walking backwards together yes. into mm -hmm. his future. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. That might preach, brother. I think so. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Slow Drip. It feels good to be back uh, recording mm -hmm. again. Um, we do hope you heard the church bells, the, uh, the blaring taxis, the motorcycles running by down the road. Uh, get a little bit of a taste of where we are. So uh, until next time, uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs>